teams sit right on the baseline. The big fella from New Zealand. When we cut him off baseline, he started walking in there. Welcome on to the Baseline Podcast. Uh, I have another great guest today, Zion Olajedi. Uh, of Complex Sport and Nigeria Basket, a famous Twitter account. Uh, Zion, how are you going today? I'm doing good. Appreciate you for having me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> nah, it's all good, man. It's, it's, um, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. It's awesome, man. Like was when I when I saw your account, or when I saw the Nigeria Basket account, you know, tweeting all these amazing memes and going viral, and I was just like. Who runs this thing? And then a couple of weeks later, I was like, I found him. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the question immediately when when we kind of got off uh, two, I think two viral tweets. Everyone was like, Yo, who's the admin? Who's running this? Like, that was the most common question and tweet we've gotten or uh, message for sure. <laughs> I, I love it, man. I love it. We're gonna we're just gonna rip right in. Tell me about, um, yeah, your love for the game of basketball, like how you got to where you are and, and doing what you are today uh, separate to the to the to the account itself yeah i mean i think growing up i was always like a big sports sports fanatic uh i was always like a diehard sports fan actually my first love my first sport was was baseball actually i actually love baseball more more than any sport and i think that was just because uh i grew up in the era of the yankees winning every year so like that was like i guess the most popular team in a, in america at that point um but obviously, I still love basketball too. I still love American football and uh, dabbled in soccer every now and then. But I think that was like my main sport. But as I grew older, I think I got attracted to basketball way more. Um, uh, and I think you know, you know, my dad always told me growing up that uh, you're not always going to love sports. Your your passion for sports will die down eventually. So you know, you got to find your passion. But ironically it didn't i think as i grew older like i just grew more i just started loving sports even even more uh started dedicating like uh my time to sports whether it was obviously playing in high school playing american football or like just doing like stuff like i did in high school i create this nigeria basketball account um and it's just like the passion just continued to grow and i think even now 25 years old like my passion is is still peaking it's still it just can, keeps on continuing so yeah yeah I, lo- I love it man i love it and i think the people that truly love sport like i think about what i was like at like age eight or ten i remember writing a letter um to like i, I was trying to like get hold of the ceo or something mm-hmm. like that and i was just yeah. like you know i want to i want to write articles i want to commentate and all this sort of stuff and I, I just i just couldn't get enough i just thought about i went to sleep you know, dreaming about sport and then woke <laughs> up and you know what I mean? Like it was just yeah. it's crazy. And and I think it's cool that you that you followed your dreams. And now when I talk to young kids these days about who love basketball or love sport, I'm like, man, don't don't give that stuff away. Like if you if you truly love it, um, you know, you might not be able to like get a scholarship or play professionally or whatever, but there's a place in sport if you truly love it and you're willing to work hard, there's a place for everyone. Like 100%. I think some of those people are like, Oh, you know, I gotta go and I gotta go and get a job and, and it's like, yeah, hey, look, if if that's what you want to do, so be it. But um yeah, I always say to people, don't don't be so quick to um to give away what you love. Yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely a big thing. That was a, even a big thing for me coming out of school is 
you know, a lot of people will say, oh, the, the sports industry, obviously, if you're not an athlete, is, is limited. You know, jobs are limited and, you know, you can't really find your role, even if you, you know, have the, the skills and the qualities. But, like, I think if you're if you're passionate, for, passionate enough about it, you're going to keep fighting until, you know, you find something that just fits your passion. And, and that's what happened to me, you know. That's it, man. That's a so the the million dollar question is, um, tell me the story of the Nigeria basket account, and I'll I'll explain quickly to to the listeners that don't know when the Olympic qualification was happening, and then the Olympic um, like the the games with Nigeria um, themselves. Um, all of a sudden, there was a Twitter account, and it was just dropping the most hilarious memes, videos, <laughs> and I think. It, the NBA itself, in terms of the NBA teams, and then you've got people like obviously Josiah Johnson. You, you've got some hilarious people, and the NBA teams themselves mm. always put a lot of effort into their social media. But yeah. it's not often that you see accounts outside the US or national team accounts that are providing this hilarious content. And I think I checked the page, and it was like, oh, this has got a few followers, and the followers were just going nuts, man. So um, it's a cool story. But yeah, tell me where it all began. I will say, I will say just before I begin in the story that the followers have gone up. We peaked at like 102K, but ever since they lost that last game, we've, we've actually been dropping followers just because, <laughs> yeah, just because I feel like people, number one is like, oh man, now they have nothing to post or, uh, or people are just mad. A lot of Nigerians were just mad at the team, which I can't control, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, I, I started the account, uh, uh, 2012, um. Uh, when I was like about 16 years old and I was watching the team and uh, trying to qualify for the Olympics, actually it was Olympic qualifiers. So, you know, it was the first time I ever seen a Nigerian basketball team and me growing up, I've always had like, uh, obviously my brother and like my brother's friends, we were all Nigerian and we've always talked about, yo, what if, what if these guys in Nigerian descent in the NBA actually playing for Nigeria? And, um, you know, we got a kind of little glimpse of that in 2012 where we had Ike Diago, who was a top 10 pick, and then Alfred Camino, who's currently in the NBA. And, uh, you know, they just – I just I just saw nobody was covering them. No one no one cared. Obviously, Nigeria is known for, for loving soccer more than anything, um, and they don't really have an interest in basketball. So, you know, I saw no one covered, covering them and doing anything, so I said, why not do it myself? And I just created a Twitter account. Um, I just followed their Olympic run, their Olympic journey, uh, when they upset a lot of teams and then eventually made it to the tournament. Um, although they, they, they won a game, but they, they obviously were more known for losing to the U.S. by like 83 points. That was kind of under over our, our shoulder for a long time, I think, until this year. But, yeah, I think uh, I just continued with it. Um, even going to college, I was still doing it. I would wake up early. So, you know, even if they had ch- games in China or – overseas i'd be waking up at 4 a.m 2 a.m just to cover the team and make sure like the page yeah. you know being updated um and i would do i wouldn't miss a tournament i don't think i've missed a tournament ever since 2012 like whether it's major or minor uh, but yeah then i got connected with players uh got connected with coaches um and you know i've actually you know initial coach our 2015 afro basket coach and olympian coach uh Will Voigt actually connected with him. He had actually had – we had actually sent him a list of, like, players to, like, choose from on the college level. Um, and, you know, it just continued to grow. I went to their camp in 2016 when they are playing the U.S. in Houston. Um, that was, like, my first kind of, like, experience meeting everyone in person. And uh, eventually, you know, I contacted – I got in touch with Mike Brown before this Olympic run. 
And I was like, uh, yeah, I'll come through. Um, yeah, I'll, just, I'll come through and help cover the team. I know there's no one there to do it. And he said, yeah, come through and set everything up. And eventually, you know, it, it, I, I saw the opportunity. I knew what, like I, like you said, with the viral tweets, I knew we were going to someday have that opportunity. And I knew once that moment came, I was going to take advantage and I was going to make sure, you know, we maximize uh, our our voice to the best of our ability. And I think obviously it worked. So, yeah. <laughs> It's cool, man. It's it's cool. It's a really cool story, and and I think that the I have to give um, credit to to not only the people like yourself who obviously put in that work, but I think the relevancy that we've seen of like markets like like Africa, you know, where the NBA are, are are truly investing. But I also think that the players showing pride in in where they're from, you know what I mean, and it's like. The NBA tries to do tries to do more storytelling, and I think that's always important in sport. Like, yeah. yeah, people like hearing about X's and O's and stuff. You know, there will always be people like that. But no matter what happens to print journalism or video journalism or whatever, people want to hear the story. Where are you from? Mm-hmm. How'd you grow up? So it's yeah. even things like the documentary about Sergi Bucker a few years ago. Man, I remember. I remember that. I was just like, it was crazy because it not only gave you an insight into his life. But it was just like showing a different part of the NBA, and you were, and you, because you always, obviously, these at the end of the day, these are all, um, they're all normal people like us. But when you put them up, mm. they get put on a pedestal, pedestal quite often. Mm. You don't realize, like, man, if these people, you know, from Africa, where especially the ones that have come from nothing, um, you know, Serge was going back, and um, he was at this house, and they were all swarm, people were all swarming in, and and it's. It will be like that around the world, but it was like that storytelling that just gave the relevancy to to other, you know, other markets here like South America and obviously yeah. parts of Europe, like Nikola Jokic goes back after the finals and he's riding around the track with a, a track <laughs> horse. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. people will love this stuff and it's it's cool for the relevancy. For for yourself and the and the Nigeria Basket account, how have you managed to keep the how have you managed to make the account relevant and cool? Because I feel like there's so many different, uh, like social, there's so much competition with social media and a lot of places don't get it right. They don't have someone who knows what the youth are into. They don't, they're not funny. Then the tweets could just come across really dry. How have you managed to make your content hilarious, but also by keeping it relevant so that people were like, man, I want to follow this team, you know? Yeah. I think uh, I think it just goes back to my normal day job. I think I just work. I professionally work in social media um, at Complex. It's uh, for those internationally. Just uh, it's a media outlet, kind of like your Bleacher Reports or your ESPNs, but we cover more pop culture and music. And uh, I've been kind of building their sports brand the past two years, yeah, almost three years. Um, but yeah, I think it just goes back. You know, is what naturally comes to me. Um, I think. I just know social media really well. Um, I know the ins and outs. I know the tricks. And, you know, I obviously I've actually been doing the Nigeria stuff longer than, you know, I've been doing like my professional job. So like, I think I just been doing, I just been doing it so long. I just know what works. I know what, what doesn't work. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of the times people try a little too hard. I think that's the problem if they try or if they're not trying too hard, they're limited because they're not allowed to, you know, have that freedom and creativity. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm allowed to because I'm allowed to do whatever I want with that account. Um, uh, so like I, I just have fun. I have fun. I make it informative too, but you know 
I have fun and I think that's the the best way to kind of connect with the internet nowadays is make sure you know you're having fun. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And and I and I think that like you talked about the free, the creative freedom. I remember I got to meet um, the head of the Sacramento Kings social, Jason Wise, in Vegas a couple of years ago, and like he he talked about it was it was a on a course I did. He talked about how um, sometimes they had got warnings from the NBA on some of the content they'd done, and it wasn't that it was like it wasn't like it was racist or violent or anything like that. Yeah. It was just like really out there in terms of what they'd done. But the the difference was that they were just trying to give the other fan the other fan bases and the other media the other accounts the other um, team accounts they were just trying to give them shit like it was it was cool yeah. they realized they hadn't been in the playoffs for 15 years mm. and what what jason explained is that the size of media markets and the importance of it like they know that they don't have any that they're not going to be bringing in major free agents to sacramento but what jason talked about was how you can make your make your account relevant by being informative, you know, and like you'll see quite often mornings that the Sacramento Kings account will just tweet what's up. And then all of a sudden there's like 800 comments because people want to chat and they're chatting away to people, following people back. And it's cool to see social media these days used like an interactive tool rather than it just being, and, and this is where I think in the smaller countries, people are just scheduling using like Hootsuite or something and just putting the same content on like seven different platforms, that yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. And you can't just put volume out there. I think that's the other thing is you can't just post 25 times a day because people were like, oh, what the hell? I've already seen this. Or, you know, yeah. you're just copying what everyone else does. Yeah. You you really got to put thought into it, um, mm. but also just keep it fun, right? Yeah. I think that's a big thing. Uh, kind of people underestimate about social media. They think it's... Uh, I could do a social media job. It's easy, you know. It's not. It's there's no there's no skill towards, but there's actually a lot of a lot of thinking to it, and there's a lot of preparation for it. I think it's you know obviously, like I said, I've done this on a professional level, like even outside of Nigeria basketball. So like I know, I know you know not to uh, uh, fill flood timelines with information or. Uh, flood timelines with even jokes like their their points like even when we lose like I'll maybe get off a joke or two but I, I'll know like okay we lost people are in a bad mood so let like, let me chill out um, but I, I think you just it's 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 you know it's that's something you develop over time with experience and uh, I've been blessed to you know have that uh, experience in my back pocket I get it man and I love hearing that so that the Nigerian national team itself and now has a squad stacked with with nba players hmm. now i feel that that when we start to see and there's almost like i don't use like patriotism but it's like i'm trying to think of the right word people it seems like international basketball players now are, are really trying to push themselves and others to be part of fiba programs and going hmm. back and being like yeah you know i'm gonna be i'm gonna jump in and i might be the only nba player on this team but um, I'm looking to be part of um, of my of my FIBA team and um, yeah. and go back to where to where it all began. Now Nigeria and I, if you look at some of the names, man, like you you're having guys like Josh Okoji, Okogi, um, Jalil Okafor, like it, you know they've got Casey Okpala. You've got all these these NBA players going back and and they're playing for Nigeria now, yeah. which I feel then that looks other teams that 
and other players are like, man, it's awesome that they're looking to play um, for Nigeria rather than than play for the United States. Has mm. has there always been this type of talent um, from Nigeria? And, and what, why do you think all of a sudden now we're starting to see these squads truly fill out with people? So with, with their players that originate from the from that country. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the talent, like that's kind of why I created the count in 2012. I knew I kind of foresaw this this happening. I saw I saw like okay, if they start you know putting us on the map, um, there these guys from the NBA are going to start you know thinking about it. And I think if we get enough people, you know, they'll start tapping tapping each other and you know see see if you know we could build something from it. But I saw this coming in terms of the talent. I think Nigeria's always had it even. You know, we look even look at the best players in the NBA today. Uh, I think Giannis, Giannis, Giannis could technically play for Nigeria before he plays for Greece because his parents were born in Nigeria. Um, yeah, and guys like Ben Adebayo, he could play for he could he could play for Nigeria, but obviously he's playing for the U.S. now. But even back then, I think it was uh, Andre Iguodala could have played for us when in 2012, um, and he's actually I think he's involved in some some of the things with our federation. To, to like in terms of funding um awesome. but you know he played for the u.s in 2000 2012 so you know i think it there's there's a uh there's an over overwhelming amount of talent that we could put out even this year as uh, some guys we didn't see ogn and Obi, we could have saw him this year he got an invite um but obviously you know i think he had some injuries um i, I think we could have fielded a, a olympic group of 12 12 nba players this year um but obviously, I don't think I don't think that always translates to winning. I think too, in, in addition to the talent, I think you know these guys have to get FIBA experience because obviously NBA players are great and, and uh, you know it's it's a lot of talent. But you know it's a different game. FIBA is a different game, and I think we kind of saw that a lot of our guys are are 22, 21, 23, so they've never really experienced the FIBA game. Um, so, you know, we saw a lot of kind of even our games uh, last week. We, I mean, we had two winnable games. We're up 11 in one of them, up at seven at, at the, uh, in the final game. Um, and we kind of just, you know, started to get into the the NBA type type play of ISO mm-hmm. ball, you know, not really, you know, playing team ball, kind of missed assignments or defense. Um, and it wasn't that they had more talent. I thought – we were obviously, I think we were at least the second most talented team in that in our group uh, after Australia. Um, but you know, it's just a lot of young guys, and you know, you got to get adjusted to the Phoebe game. Yeah, agreed, man. And and that's something with the focus on the Olympics. I've talked a bit about with people that have come on the podcast is that FIBA is so different, and and in a lot of ways, that's why the the FIBA game has these hardcore these hardcore fans because people were like, why would I not go and you know, follow Luca playing um, mm. when, or or a guy who you know like uh, Evan Fournier, for example. You know, he's a he's like a, a strong starter or you know a high role player in the NBA. Mm. But you see these guys playing for FIBA and they're just balling out. You know, but the yep. difference is it's there's ball movement, there's more complex offensive sets. You know, the, obviously the rules are different, and I, I think for for the Nigerian players, it's it's probably it's exciting for them because there's there a lot of them are, are role players you know or, or starters on mm. uh, on nba teams or even on good playoff teams 
they get to when they come to fever ball you're playing and you you will have more responsibility you know you yeah. either on either end of the court um and i i think it's good for them but when i see how young that team is and you and you talked about the other players that can potentially come in you know we had there were even guys like monte morris that this this nigerian team could be a powerhouse in the next two to six years right yeah i mean monte monte would be naturalized uh but I think he wanted to come. I think he had an injury. A guy, another guy who was tweeting, actually tweeting at us that he wanted to play was Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, obviously, yes. he had his his contract situation, and uh, 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 obviously, he's coming off an injury too. So I think that held him back from. But yeah, now a lot of guys are actually wanting to wanting to play, um, and I think that that would be big for us too. But uh, yeah, I think I, I think it's all there for us. I think I was tweeting it the other day. I think we're kind of seeing the end of the era of Spain, Argentina, and like we saw it with Brazil. Brazil is really, in my opinion, they're out of the picture right now. Um, yeah. And we're kind of seeing the rise of uh, Australia. Frank, well, France has always been a constant, but they're still going to be dominant because they have more players on the way. Um, who else has? Slovenia, uh, uh, yeah. even Italy. I know Italy has a young kid at Duke, Paolo. I think he should be joining yes. them when you know he gets to the NBA. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, I think we could be up there. I think we, we have top five talent, um, in, in the world. Um, and I think it's just about kind of building that cohesiveness. We need the chemistry. Uh, we need like a consistent amount of guys. Cause it's great if you can get all these elite players, but if they're playing FIBA for the first time, every single tournament, it's going to be, you know, difficult to win consistently, but I think we have the talent there. Um, a lot of young guys, lower levels. I think Mike Brown has done a great job, kind of for this camp. He's uh, this training camp in Oakland. He brought out a lot of you know college players, uh, even one high school player that was a top five player in high school right awesome. now. Um, so he's he's trying to build that that foundation. So you know we're not going to have a lull or you know a, a dry period. It's going to be. We're going to pick up, you know, as we lose players to age, you know, we have players to replace them. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's definitely a bright uh, – it's a bright future. Um, although this year was – it was disappointing. I'm not going to lie. The Olympics was disappointing just because, you know, after beating the USA, after destroying Argentina, it wasn't even like we we just <laughs> narrowly got by – beat like we dominated Argentina. Um, yeah, man. And that never happens for us as we we lost to Argentina over different tournaments like at least like seven times. But like, you know, we 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 thought the change was coming this year, but it's it's still a good foundation for us, and we'll see, you know, where where it leads to the next years. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing is, no one can take regardless of it's like warm up games or whatever. Like, no one can take those those wins away, you know. And and, mm-hmm. and I think putting when you make that statement, like. It's like that. What you talked about with the account as well. People don't forget that, and now all of a sudden there's that extra relevance. And I think you know that helps. Um, you know, people buying whatever it is, more TV, more subscriptions to go and watch their their favorite players from that FIBA team on their NBA team, or or selling mm-hmm. merchandise or whatever it is. What for for people that are that are listening in these smaller countries, um, how can people help to grow the game outside of the USA and 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 in these these other continents like South America and, and, and Asia and Africa. I always this is a conversation I, I really like to have because in New Zealand down here we the the game continues to grow, mm. but it's always I always seem to have conversations with people where they're like 
the NBA is here around and their care level with the NBA and then everything else they're like oh you know I can't be bothered watching FIBA or supporting the local team and it's like yeah he's like people say stuff like they're so bad and it's like well if you don't if you don't commit or support then how can you expect this stuff to grow yeah I think the big thing for that is um number one I mean are you talking internationally or just like in uh uh like a, a national team standpoint or a a, a, just a grassroots um a bit of both a bit of both like internationally and grassroots i mean I, I would say i think you definitely need someone someone to take that step uh and kind of you know say i want to be part of growing the game here i think a, a big person for us that was um doing that uh was ike diago um obviously he, he committed all his time to the national team and committed a lot of time in growing the game in uh, Nigeria basketball, but also we've had like guys like the Raptors president, uh, Masai Ujiri, who's committed a lot of time, even before it was kind of popular. He's committed a lot of time to growing the game uh, in Nigeria and Africa period. Uh, but I think you need, you definitely need someone to kind of take that step and say, I want to do this. Um, but also too, I think it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's like a, I think it is a support thing as well. Um, you got to kind of build that passion for, for the game. Um, you have to have people who you have to connect with the people who are passionate. Because obviously in Nigeria, I don't think we had everyone passionate about basketball. Um, but it took the little, you know, the little people we did have to connect with each other, and you know, they start building from there. Um, and I think it's it's too you have to be patient too. It's gonna to be a long process. You can't it can't happen immediately. Um, it can't you know just by f- four years uh, and everyone's interested. Like it, it has to build up over time. Uh, so it's just definitely a slow slow process for sure. Yeah, that's 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 good advice, man. You got to have that patience. And I think I think as the game of basketball continues to grow globally, um, that's always a good reminder. Like I. I'm pretty. I can be pretty impatient when I talk about the game growing in New Zealand and and you know what I want to see. But as you say, you've got to have people invest. Um, the people that <clears throat> that truly invest their time and and be it you know um, helping helping kids, um, coaching kids, growing the game, like even like yourself, starting social media accounts. Like these are the ones that 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 grow the game and 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 make it a lot more relevant. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just just to that point, I think it's even been like I've seen it from, like like you said, it could be as simple as growing a social media page. Like I've personally seen, I've been messaged, plenty of messages of people saying, you know, uh, I'm interested in basketball because of how you you know covered it on social media. Yes. Um, and now, man, I had I saw an Instagram comment yesterday on our page saying, oh yeah, now my son wants to play for the national team. Um, so I think it's just. It's just, you know, you got to have someone who has the passion to do it. And uh, it could be, it doesn't have to be like you have to start a basketball camp or you got to, uh, you know, be an NBA player to, to get people interested. It could be simple, simple as social media. And, you know, you could grow from there. Yeah, I, I love it, man. I love it. Uh, for people that don't know, and, and I'm not actually don't know a massive amount myself, um, the, the new um, Basketball Africa League that had... Um, J. Cole playing in it actually. Um, what 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 do you know about that league, man? And um, like, I I haven't really seen a lot about it. But what do you know about it? And then what's the involvement that Nigeria is having in that? 
Um, I wouldn't say I know too much about it, but I definitely followed uh, as much as I could. Um, I think it's it's definitely big for for Africa uh, to have its own league. Uh, obviously, I don't think they they got to do it the way they wanted to do it just because of COVID. Um, so yeah. um, it kind of like you know uh, limited it to a bubble uh, in Rwanda. And I think only a couple of weeks, but I think it's big for Africa just because it's it's gonna you know give someone give give these guys in Africa you know something to dream about. Uh, I want to play in the Africa Africa Ooh. League. Uh, as it always yes. doesn't have to be NBA. Like we look overseas in Europe, and a lot of those guys don't really dream of playing in the NBA. They dream of playing in the Euro League. Um, yes. So like I think it's definitely like very impactful. Um, but I think uh, in terms of Nigeria's impact, I think uh, one of our actually our captains uh, who wasn't who didn't, who didn't make the team, but Ben Uzo, uh, he was actually a point guard for one of the teams. So uh, I think uh, Nigeria has their own team. Uh, I think uh, it was a lot of actually it was a team from a lot of actually local players in Nigeria. It wasn't like uh, they brought really international players over to the team. But I, I just think that's it's, – it's, it'll be big It'll be big for Africa just because, you know, uh, people would start taking notice and watching it more from – it's like kind of like a mini international tournament. Obviously, it's not all Nigerians playing for the national the Nigerian team, but it's mostly Nigerians. It's like mostly Tunisians playing for the uh, team from Tunisia. So it's like kind of still uh, an international feel to it, but I think it's definitely going to be big uh, and growing and – People are investing. I mean, uh, even Obama's yeah. invested in NBA Africa, which I think will uh, affect the BAL in some way. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. And I think, that you, as you say, you're getting you're getting people also that have um, like have power and influence to be able to invest, and it's like that that helps also with the legitimacy. And I and I that's the other reason that I love when when the NBA does basketball without borders or nba asia camps that we had kids from new zealand and australia going to the nba asia camps and you had uh, like people like rui hachimura were there like the actual nba players from, mm. from that region were there but also it'd be like they'll also send some some people like kyle kuzma and that sort of stuff will come down yeah. so these kids they get to meet their um you know their idols and and they get to learn and and chat from from the best and it's like the NBA continued to invest by showing, by by picking kids from these from these smaller countries or from from you know from obscure areas, mm-hmm. um, and saying, hey, look, look, not only will, will you play against the best from your age group, um, but we're looking to you know we're looking to bring the best coaches down. Like as you say, Obama yeah. has invested and and put and put his name behind it, which I think is massive for the game. Um, yeah, we're gonna. We're going to close this pod out now, man. Um, I really appreciate you jumping on and chatting, Zion. It's 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 cool to 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 see that um, we're having this investment um, in things like the Nigerian basketball program and yourself. Are like you're a testament to to what can be achieved by um, you know you had that passion. You're getting up at four a.m. Um, but to, but you knew that the niche was there. That you had this follower base and. Um, yeah, I wish you all the best, and I I can't wait to continue following along with your with your social media content. For sure, appreciate appreciate you for having me. Yeah, this has been definitely been a great talk. Uh, I love talking. To, I love talking about just Nigerian basketball in general, just because it's just good that people are taking notice now, and you know it, we're kind of on the map. Uh, so you know, it's definitely always a blessing just to you know see see the growth and you know the attention. Yeah, I love it, man. You have a really good day, and we'll talk again soon. Broke, don't appreciate it.
Yeah, Derek Jones has moved. Um, yeah. yeah, and I, I think for the first time maybe ever, Neil feels the the real pressure now to to improve the team. So yeah, I I um I appreciate you you jumping on with me, Adrian, and, and chatting Blazers and um. This is a fascinating time for fans. You know, if you love it or if you hate it, um, the Blazers things are are happening, and and I think that even though the the coaching change was bungled, um, we know that in the next couple of months and when we hit training camp, the things are going to be different. And and I think in an organisation which maybe got a bit stale, when you consider, I mean, how many organisations bring the, bring a new coach, GM, and star player in? within three months of each other and they'll stick together for nine months. Now, I think it was a good chance to make a bit of a fresh start. And regardless if you, if people, you know, hate or, or love the moves that have been made, at least we're, we're starting to see things happening. And, and I think this year is going to be pretty interesting. I, I think, I think the first part of the season will be very telling to see how Damian Lillard sees his future in Portland as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a great call because that's the one. That's one of the things that Terry Stotts did really well. Enabled his players to, you know, ran, ran basic offensive systems and enable his players to get theirs. And I mean, mm. you know, he he created one of the the great or helped to create one of the greatest offensive players to ever play this game. Um, and if things change significantly with with Dame, then look, maybe that that changes how quickly he decides he wants to to move out the door. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Thanks for dropping on, my man. Um, yeah, I hope you don't <laughs> hope those lockdowns stay at a minimum in Australia. And uh, always really good chatting, and and hope to have you on again soon. No, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. No worries. Talk soon. Cheers.